Welcome to the San Diego News Fix. I'm Christy Totten. May 5th is Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women's Awareness Day. The goal is to draw attention to the higher level of violence against Indigenous women. The Department of Justice has reported that Indigenous women in some counties are 10 times more likely to be victims of murder, sexual assault, and disappearance. With 18 federally recognized tribes and 19 reservations, San Diego is home to more tribal nations than any other county nationwide. Lauren Mapp is UT reporter nationwide. Lauren Mapp is a UT reporter who covers Indigenous communities and is looking into how local Indigenous women are affected. Well, Lauren, thank you for joining me on the News Fix. Uh, could you give us an overview of this issue? How was this Awareness Day established? So it was established in 2018, um, and it's in honor of Hannah Harris. She was a member of the Northern Cheyenne tribe who was born on May 5th, which is why it is um, honored on, on that day. And she was reported missing on July 5th of 2013 by her family uh, in Lame Deer, Montana. About five days later, her body was found and she had been um, raped and murdered. And so in 2018, Senator Steve Daines, a Republican from Montana, um, introduced a resolution to designate this day in a, uh, as a National Day of Awareness for Missing and Murdered Native women, women and Girls. What is the symbolism of wearing red and, um, you know, the, the red handprint sometimes seen over people's mouths? So the, the color red is uh, has been the official color of the MMIW campaign um, because, you know, to start, it really represents the violence that these crimes have against Indigenous women and girls. It's also connected to the, to an, uh, an art installation from an artist um, up in Canada, I believe, who she uh, used red dresses. She's hung empty red dresses in honor of um, of those who had been missing and, and murdered. Uh, her name is Jamie Black, and she's up in uh, British Columbia. And um, so it's just been established as that color. Um, the red handprint across the mouth is to represent the fact that these women can no longer speak for themselves. Their voices have been taken, and so we have to speak for them. So what has been done to address this issue and save lives nationally, but especially here in San Diego County? Well, to start, um, it's just important to know that nationally, we know that there are, um, that about four out of five Indigenous women will experience violence in their lifetime, and nearly half of Indigenous women will experience sexual violence. In some counties in the country, the murder rate is 10 times higher for Indigenous women than it is for women of other races. And 96% of sexual assault cases against Indigenous women are committed by non-Native assailants. And so those are really staggering stats um, when you're looking at Indigenous people across the entire country. What we don't know is how people are impacted by this issue locally, uh, at least not from a, a data standpoint. We only know anecdotally how people are being impacted. And so for the past year, uh, myself and a couple of our coworkers here at the paper, we have been uh, going through data and, and speaking to people in the community. And we are working on a, a large project to, um, to really focus in on San Diego County and show how people are impacted here and what's being done to, do, to 
help uh, prevent these crimes and better investigate these crimes going forward. Uh, locally, we have an organization called the Stronghearted Native Women's Coalition, and they advocate on behalf of um, victims of domestic violence and sexual violence, um, and you know, for those who have gone missing and, um, and have been murdered. There's also on the San Pasquale Reservation, a domestic violence center. They just hired their first um, full-time, uh, they just hired their first officer who is specifically focusing on domestic violence for the tribe and is working in the domestic violence center, which is uh, a pretty um, rare occurrence. It's someone who is, is there and will help somebody from the beginning of their case to the end. And so they don't have to explain their story every single time they come into the police station. You know, they, they're going into the domestic violence center, a nice safe space that's separated from, uh, from the police center. And they'll have one officer who will know their story when they come back in, uh, which is uh, hugely important for helping people to, to get justice for these cases. Um, there's also four Indian health clinics in San Diego County that help um, with issues of domestic violence and uh, with behavioral health, uh, mental health um, healthcare for people who have had these experiences and are are working to, um, you know, to process those feelings. And there are tribal leaders and uh, and tribal advocates who are working with the board of supervisors to create a resolution. And on behalf of missing and murdered Indigenous women and, and people, um, and that is something that's been ongoing. Uh, they established uh, they established May 5th as Missing and Murdered Indigenous Awareness Day uh, a year ago, and uh, there will hopefully be some news coming out of that, that partnership going forward. Uh, yeah, I mean, like you mentioned, this started in 2018. The national movement is still pretty new. Have strides been made? Have we been seeing this uh, positively affect the statistics? Um, so like I said, I, you know, we're still going through the, the data that we have collected. Um, but I think the, the big thing that has come out of this becoming a national movement is that more people are talking about their stories and sharing their stories. Historically, Indigenous uh, indigenous people have been very distrustful of the media um, because of the way that they were portrayed in, in mainstream media. I saw this on my own reservation in, um, in upstate New York with working as a reporter there. It was you know sometimes hard to get people to, to do interviews about anything that was controversial because they were, you know, they were just worried about how they would be perceived in the media by the media and how they would be perceived by other people on the reservation. And so I think that with more people telling these stories, more people, even more people are willing to tell their stories. And that's had a, a bit of a snowball effect of getting the word out and getting movement to help resolve some of these issues. I know you mentioned uh, your project is still in the works and you talked a little bit about it, but could you tell us you know, more? What can you tell us? What, what can we expect? Uh, and when can we expect to read, to read more about this? Well, uh, you can expect the story to be out uh, hopefully in the next few months. Uh, we don't have a, a publishing date yet. Um, but what we're really looking for is for um, folks to come forward and tell their stories and tell their um, their experiences. You know, we're looking for people who have survived instances of being taken um, either, people who have been taken either to um, be 
you know, held captive or people who were, uh, who experienced um, sex trafficking as a victim. Uh, we're looking for the loved ones of people that have gone missing and still have not yet been found or who have loved ones who have been murdered. Um, it's really important that we amplify these voices that have been uh, silent for silent or uh, ignored for a really long time. Lauren, anything else you'd like to add? Yes. So last week there was an event held at the San Diego County Administration Building in honor of missing and murdered Indigenous women and relations. Uh, anecdotally, the community has said that there are actually more Indigenous men in the region who are missing than Indigenous women, and their stories are um, also not being told um, as frequently as they're happening. Um, and so that's something that we're hoping with our data to be able to you know, shine light on as well. Um, but I also wanna um, highlight uh, one of the speakers that spoke during that event last Thursday, her name was uh, Joanna Sobel. And she is a, um, a woman from the Morongo Reservation up in Riverside. And she was taken a um, years back um, her and her two oldest children, and she was tortured in front of her children, and, you know, her children were tortured as well, and the assailant tr tried twice to shoot her. Uh, for some reason, the gun didn't go off, and the three of them all survived, and they were able to get away to safety, and she worked, you know, tirelessly over the course of three years to have, you know, to find justice for what had happened to her and her kids, her case won, um, but in the next couple of years, he will be released from prison. And there's been this kind of sentiment that I've been hearing from the people I've interviewed so far that with these cases, there's a, a lot of work that the victims have to do to find justice and a lot of uh, re-traumatization and having to retell these stories. And then a lot of times, the justice they receive doesn't really feel thorough. Uh, one woman, Casey Brown, told me that her um, her ex who had abused her and hospitalized her and she nearly died in the hospital, he drives by her, the, her mom's house where she lives on a regular basis. And she doesn't feel like it was really worth it to go through that whole process to, you know, to bring him to justice, quote unquote. And so um, that's something that advocates are also working toward um, improving is, you know, improving the way the justice system works to protect these women. The last thing I'd like to add is that if someone out there who's listening to the, the podcast today has heard, um, you know, has an experience that resonates with this issue and wants to be heard, um, they can feel free to reach out to me. My email address is lauren.map, that's M as in Mary, A as in Apple, and two Ps as in Paul, at sduniontribune.com. Lauren, thank you for this information, and I'll look forward to reading your series. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me.